If you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Psalm 119, friends. Psalm 119 is where we've been. Psalm 119 is where we're going to be this morning. And so make sure you pull out your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, okay, you're going to want a Bible. There's a Bible underneath the seat you are sitting in. There's a blue Bible down there on the floor. You can reach down and pull that blue Bible out. Psalm 119 is where we are going to be. Um, And in the blue Bible, it's on page 568. If you don't own a Bible... You don't have a Bible at home, at your house. You didn't forget it in the car. You just, you just do not own a Bible. Please take that blue one. You can take that blue Bible. Um, the only condition is you have to read it, okay? So you can take it, but you gotta, you gotta read it. We have a reading plan you can grab on your way out with, to go with that blue Bible. Um, and we would love for you to have that. That's our gift to you this morning. All right, Psalm 119. We are in a series uh, that we're calling Every Person Every Day. And it's not just a sermon series in Psalm 119. It's really a full initiative for us here at Flourishing Grace. For those of you who've been around, you know this. Our desire, our goal is that every single person who calls Flourishing Grace home. I mean, that means you and your children. And and if you have a spouse, your spouse, every single person who calls Flourishing Grace home would be in the word of God every single day by the end of the year. That we would be a people who delight and enjoy the word of God. That's the hope. That's what we've been talking about throughout this series is, is what does the word of God do? How is it sufficient for all things in our lives? We believe that is true. We believe that, that the word of God is sufficient for us. We believe that the word of God, we said this a couple weeks ago, the first thing we said was the word of God is an incredible gift from God. And it was meant to be opened with him. The, the Word of God is a gift from God. Our Bibles are a gift that are meant to be open with Him. I use the illustration of a dad, right? The dad who buys the, the Lego set for his kid that's way too complex, right? It's like, there's no way your three-year-old is ever going to be able to build that thing, right? But dad knows what he's doing. He wants to join in the opening of the gift. He, he wants to sit down and, and, and build and construct with his child, with his son, with his daughter. He wants to participate together. He wants to play and open the gift together. This gift, the Bible, has been, is meant to be opened with God. He wants to open it with you. So the first thing we should do when you open our Bibles is invite him in. It's like, Father, would you, would you join with me in the reading of your word? The second thing we talked about um, last week, last week is, is this, what it ultimately communicates as we open it, what it shows to us, what it reveals to us is who he is. It's, it's, a, it's a gift of love and affection as it communicates to us who God is. It tells us who he is. It tells us that he is mighty and wonderful and beautiful and powerful and pure and holy and gracious and kind and and sovereign over all things. But then it also communicates who we are, that we are not those things, that we are broken and rebellious. Our hearts are wicked and wretched. We are boring, not wonderful. We are weak not strong. We are dirty, not holy. And so when we stand before him, we stand in fear of him. But when he stands before us, he stands in love of us. He loves us in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our stains, in spite of our rebellion towards him. He pursues and he woos, he chases after us, and his word reveals that to us again and again and again. It demonstrates his great love for us in despite of who we are. 
In spite of who we are, so that, we talked about this last week, so that our hearts would be enlarged towards him, the psalmist writes. So that our hearts would be enlarged towards him, that we'd become more desirous of him, that we'd treasure him all the more, that he would be preeminent in our lives, our hearts would be enlarged towards him. The purpose of this gift is that your heart would be enlarged towards the God of all things. That you would know his love for you despite your brokenness, despite your shame and rebellion, and that you would fall deeper in love with him. Now this morning, here's where we're going. Here's where we're going. How do we respond? How do we respond? I'm going to argue that the gift tells us how. It's a gift that tells us how and helps us to bring him delight in response to our enlarged hearts. The Bible is a gift that tells us how and helps us to bring God pleasure and delight and joy in response to our enlarged hearts. And so while it is enlarging our hearts, it's, it's, it's increasing our, our treasuring of Christ, it's stirring our affections for him, it's also telling us how to respond. It doesn't leave us in the dark. Imagine for a moment if you could not respond. My wife, Desiree, uh, Desiree is unbelievably, unbelievably beautiful. Unbelievably sharp, talented, just so incredibly smart and wise. She's always smiling and laughing and finding joy in the midst of pain and hardship. She's, she's always, always just bringing me delight and increasing my joy and, 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 and showing me affection. She's so gracious to me and to our boys. Just again and again and again, she's doing things that increase my affections for her. She's doing things that enlarge my heart. And imagine, just for a moment, if, if I could not respond to that, if I just didn't know how to respond, I had no ability to, to, to respond in kind, to enlarge her heart for me, to let her know how, how much I appreciate it, to show her how much, how much pleasure I have in her. Imagine she does something just incredible for me, and I'm just like, ah, what, what do I do? Here's, here's a pot of dirt. It's like, oh, that didn't work. I don't, I don't know what to do. Ah, here's some pocket lint for you. Look, I got this for you. It's amazing. It's like I have, no, I have no ability to show her how much I love her. Imagine that for a moment. How miserable would that be? Literally for both of us. It would be miserable for her to get dirt and pocket lint as she is just, just loving and gracious and kind and going above and beyond what I could ever begin to imagine and she gets pocket lint. It'd be horrible. But it'd also be horrible for me. It'd be terrible for me. I can imagine not being able to respond, to be able to show her love and affection and, and attempt to increase her heart for me and her desire for me. It'd be so hard. And so God does not leave us in the dark. He reveals to us in his word how to love him in return, how to please him in return, how to bring him pleasure in return. That's what we're going to look at today in Psalm 119. And so if you have your Bibles, this unbelievable, wonderful gift in reverence to this gift that's been given to us by the God of all things, if you would stand with me, we're going to read from Psalm 119 together. 
We're going to pick it up in verse 9. Verse 9. 9-16. through 16. How, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. How? How do we please God? How do we respond to this loving, kind, gracious, and merciful God? No one has ever been more gracious to you. No one has ever been more kind to you. No one has ever been more loving to you ever, nor will ever anyone ever be more loving. So how do we respond? The psalmist tells us with purity. With purity. How, how, how can a young man keep his ways pure? The psalmist says, man, I want to be pure before you. Now, he's not talking about just sexual purity, right? A lot of times when we use the language purity, we think sexual purity. Now, that's included in this. But he's talking about the whole life, your entire, your being, who you are, being kept pure, being made pure before God. How, how do we do this? How do we do this? This is our desire. This is the desire of the psalmist. It should be the desire of you. It should be the desire of every follower of Christ. Any person who's ever tasted the pleasure of the gospel should long to bring pleasure to God through a pure life by, by living rightly according to his word, by walking in a manner worthy to which he has been called. We desire to live pure before him. What is purity? What does that mean? What does that look like. What it means is that we become like him. You are not pure. I am not, I'm certainly not pure, right? You can spend five minutes with me, you know that I'm not pure. I'm broken. My heart is just as wicked and as wretched as anyone's. If left to myself, I am not going to choose purity. Uh, you will not. This is not natural to you. You're not gonna just gonna. You're not gonna just become a pure person just by just by doing whatever you want to do. Your heart's gonna pursue unpure things constantly, all day, every day. That's who we are. But God is not. God is pure. God is holy and blameless and righteous. He is pure. And so purity means that we align our lives with him. We align our desires with his desires. We align our ways with his ways. We align our thoughts with his thoughts. This is purity. We become like him. Become like our heavenly father. We become like God. When I was a little kid, my dad was a police officer. Um, and I remember when I was a little boy, we have, we have tons of pictures of me dressed up um, in, in, in his 
uniform, right? I'm a little four-year-old kid. I got like a dress shirt on. I've got his big old hat on. I've got his star badge on. I had like loads of shirts when I was a little kid that had like a big tear in it right here because I'd wear his star right here and it just like ripped my shirt open. Like uh, again and again and again, I walked around with little little tears in my pocket because I always had his his, his badge on. I had his his belt on with his handcuffs and keys and all of these fun things. And I remember he would come home and I'd jump in the squad car and push all the buttons and he'd have to like fix the next day. I just wanted to be like dad. I just wanted to be like him. I love my dad. I loved him. And I looked up to him. And I said, man, I want to be like my dad. And what dad doesn't delight in that? What dad does not delight when their son or their daughter begins to emulate them in the simplest of ways that brings joy to our hearts? In the smallest of ways, it's just like, this is awesome. When I see my little boy Haddon, like, I'll play guitar, and Haddon's, like, just trying to get at this, his, his brother's guitar. He, he's one year old. He didn't know what he's doing. He just wants to be like Dad. It's amazing. It's so special. It's so wonderful. Who doesn't want to experience that? And so what brings our Heavenly Father pleasure is when we, his children, begin to emulate him. And the way that we emulate him is we look to our example. We look to Christ. As we become imitators of Christ, Paul says, um, 1 Corinthians 11, right? Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. As we imitate Christ, right, this, this brings pleasure to God because Christ has brought pleasure to God. In the baptism of Christ, God speaks. He says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well, what? Pleased. I I take pleasure in him. I am pleased with him. He brings me pleasure. And so as we imitate Christ, as we imitate the holiness and the purity of God with our lives, it brings him pleasure. Now here's the problem. For those of you who, who know, listen, for those of you who have been around, have tried this, you say, man, my affections have been increased towards God, and so therefore I pursue holiness and purity with my life. You have failed. I can say that with certainty because we all have failed. We all stumble and we fall as in the, in the pursuit of pleasing God. We fall in that pursuit. We stumble in that pursuit. And so we need deep help. We need God to help us live rightly before him. And the psalmist understands this. He says, I mean, how is it possible? How can a young man keep his ways pure? How do we do this? But he doesn't leave us hanging, does he? He answers his own question. He's speaking to God and he says, by guarding it according to your word. I know the answer to the question. It's impossible. I need you. I need your word in my life. I need, to, I need to guard it according to your word. The way that we please God and all that we do is by guarding all that we do according to his word. The way that we please God in all that we do is by guarding all that we do according to his word. But how does that work? How do we do that? How do we guard our lives? How do we guard all that we do according to his word? What, is, what does that even mean? If we just ended there, I think we would leave this place very confused. Many of us in this room would be confused. I would be confused. If we just stopped there, I'd be like, okay, just read your Bible more. Uh, I don't think that's how it works. I think there's more to it than that. And the psalmist knows there's more to it than that. 
In fact, the psalmist is going to go on. He's going to give us seven ways to guard our lives according to his word. The psalmist is going to go on. It's right here in the text. So for those of you who love to take notes, this this is like your Sunday, okay? There's seven ways. It's amazing. Um, So here we go. Number one, these are super practical. By submitting our whole lives to the authority of his commands. By submitting our whole lives to the authority of his commands. Look at verse 10 with me. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. With my whole heart, what does purity look like? Not wandering from his commandments. That's what purity is. We're obedient to his commandments. We submit to his commandments. How do we do that? With our whole heart. We seek him with our whole heart. When we begin to do something as a follower of Jesus, when we begin to desire something, I don't know what that might be. Maybe it's a promotion at work. Maybe it's a new toy or a trinket or something. Uh, when we begin to desire a person, when we, when we begin to fall in love, we should ask ourselves, how does this align with or not align with the word of God? If I'm submitting my whole heart, I'm putting everything that I am, I'm seeking, I'm seeking to follow his commandments. Do not let me wander from your commandments Right? That's what my heart is prone to do. My heart's prone to wander over here and to pursue these things or wander over here and pursue these things. Don't let me wander from that. So the question we must ask is, man, where does this align? Where does this desire of my heart align or not align with the word of God? And at times, it is not going to align. What this means is there's going to be times in your life when the word of God conflicts with the desires of your heart. Or as Paul would say, the desires of your flesh. Right in Ephesians 5, Paul says that the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Literally, the word of God is opposed to the desire, the spirit of God is working in our lives to keep us from doing the things that we want to do. Our hearts are wicked and they're rebellious. And if you are a follower of Christ, then the word of God is there to guard you from doing the thing that your heart wants to do. And the Spirit is moving and He's active in the Word. And so in these moments, which are often, friends, often, in these moments, hear me, we adjust our lives to fit the Word. We do not adjust the Word to fit our lives. So often all over our culture, all over the church, All over the United States, the church is adjusting the word to fit our culture, adjusting the word to fit our lives. No. We adjust our lives to fit the word. You want to guard your heart? You want to guard your life? You want to please God? You want to walk in a manner worthy to which you've been called? We adjust our lives to fit his word. We seek him with our whole hearts, and we do not wander from his commandments. We adjust our lives to fit his word. This is not natural to us. It takes discipline and work. We need the word in order to do this. Number two, by storing it up in our hearts, by memorizing it. Verse 11, look at verse 11 if you're following along. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What is purity? What is purity? Not sinning against God. Not falling short, not missing the mark. How do we do this? By storing up his word in our hearts. 
We become a people who are not just in the word, but who have the word in us. We become a people who, not, who don't just read our Bibles, but who memorize it, who put the Bible in us. We're not just in the word. The word must be in us. We memorize it together. We can't just do this alone. Listen, unless you are the person who gets up at like 4 a.m., right, goes and works out, comes home, makes breakfast for the whole family, reads your Bible, does like everything before the kids get up, and you're just like, man, that, that's you. You're just like Mr. or Miss Discipline, right? You just you cannot do this alone. We are meant to be a people who put the word in us. We do this together here at Flourishing Grace for our staff. Our staff does this together. We memorize the word together. The reason I can quote Galatians 5 a minute ago is because we just memorized Galatians 5 a few months ago, right? Right now we're memorizing uh, 2 Timothy. And so you can ask any of the staff, right? Lindsay, Binger, Pete, myself, ask them, man, give me 2 Timothy chapter 1. Soon enough you can just say, give me 2 Timothy chapter 2, right? Tell them. In fact, if you want to be really entertained, ask Pete. Pete does it in some weird funky accent. I don't really know why. I can't figure it out. But like, man, it's like, Second Timothy, just ask Pete. Just be like, Pete, give me 2 Timothy chapter 1. He'll do it, and it'll be amazing for you. You will not regret that. We do it together, and you start small. Start, begin to put the word into you in just small bites. Don't try to chew the entire word of God, right? Just small little bites, small little bites. Maybe it's a verse um, a week. Don't, don't, even, don't try to do a chapter at a time. Don't, don't even try to do a verse a day. A verse a day, if you are not already memorizing the word, a verse a day is too much. It's too much. Just a verse a week, maybe, maybe a verse, and then work your way up to maybe a verse every two days, and then eventually maybe a verse a day. But a verse a day is too, if you are not already doing this, a verse a day is too much. You will get frustrated, tired, and you will quit. So find someone in your small group. Find somebody here at Flourishing Grace and say, hey, would you just, would you just work with me? We'll, just, we'll memorize a verse a week. And when we get together on Sunday, right, we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll quiz, quiz each other on our, on our verse for that week or a couple of verses for that week. We need to be people who put the word in us, not just for people who are in the word. We're going to come back to this in a minute. You're going to see why it's important for guarding our lives. Um, the psalmist is going to come back to it, but that's part of how we do this. Number three. By seeking his teaching. Look at, chapter, look at verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. What does purity look like? Well, we kind of already talked about it, but it looks like God himself. Blessed are you, O Lord. Now, not me. I'm not blessed. I'm not holy. I'm not pure. Right? He is. And so how do we do this? We ask him to be the teacher. We ask him to teach us. We seek his teaching. He is blessed. He is pure. So we need him to show us how to be like him. Show me, teach me how to be like you. Reveal to me through your word who you are. Show me Christ. Show me how Christ was pure. Show me how Christ was obedient. Show me how Christ was committed to adjusting his life to fit your word and not adjusting your word to fit his life. Show me. Show me the temptation in the wilderness. Show me how he leaned on your word, how he trusted in your word. Show me so that I might follow you. Help me. Help me see you more clearly. Next, verse 4. 13, number four. Number four, by speaking it over our lives. 
Verse 13. With my lips, I declare all the, all the rules of your mouth. We speak it over our lives. What does purity look like? It looks like the rules of his mouth. What comes out of his mouth is pure. He is completely, totally pure. And so what comes out of his mouth is completely, totally pure. How do we do this? We declare it with our lips over our own lives. Every night, um, my little boy Winston, uh, we do our Bible reading plan here at Flourishing Grace, our little preschool Bible reading plan, which is amazing, by the way. If you're not doing that with your kids, you gotta do it. It's, it's incredible to watch his desire for the word increase, to see his understanding of the gospel increase. It's been so much fun. But then we also, I also ask Winston every single night, I say, hey, buddy, what are the rules? What are the rules? In our house, we have five rules. It's simple, man. Man, it's super simple. Five rules. And the, the fifth one's not even a rule. It's mom and dad love you no matter what. That's not, that's not a rule. It's just, it's just a truth. So we really have four rules. And so he recites these to me every single night. And then I look for areas in the day, moments in the day, where he was obedient to those rules. And I speak them over his life. Right? One of the rules is, man, uh, we listen on the first try. And so I, I say, man, do you remember when I told you to pick up your toys and you just did it? You did an amazing job of listening on the first try. That was a great job, Winston. Thanks for listening on the first try. Remember when you, remember when you helped your mom get the groceries out of the car and you, you spilled them all on the ground and you made a mess? That doesn't matter. You helped her get them out of the car. Man, that was so kind. Way to be kind. That's one of our rules, just be, be kind. And so he is, every single day, he is impressed. these rules are being impressed into his life. He's memorizing them. And then I'm speaking them over his life. I'm showing him, I'm demonstrating him, I'm teaching him man, where these things were true of him that day. In the same way, listen, if you're not putting the word into you, you can't do this because you can't pull it out. So we put the word into us. We memorize the rules of God and his rules are good. We memorize his precepts and his statutes. We memorize the truths of scripture. And then in our moments, we pull them out and we speak them verbally. We speak them over our lives. This is what's actually true in this moment. In my moment of pain, in my moment of sorrow, I speak comfort from the word of God into my life. In the moments when I'm beginning to hope in false things, I remind myself that I have a sure and steadfast hope, an anchor of the soul, as the author of Hebrews writes. In my, in my moments of despair or my moments of temptation, I remind myself what is true and what is right and what is good from the word of God. In the moments when I fail, the moments when, I, when we stumble, when we fall, when we fall into temptation, I speak grace over my life. I remind myself that I am, I am forgiven. I'm washed by the blood of Christ. I'm free. For freedom I have been set free. We speak it over our lives. Number five, by keeping it above other earthly things. By keeping it above other earthly things. Verse 14 reads this way. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. What does purity look like? It looks like delighting in his testimonies. And how do we live this out? We delight in them as much as in all riches. Um, when the word of God becomes for you a rock that you can lean on, right? As I just described, begin to put it in you. And in those moments of darkness, in those moments of hardship, in those moments of temptation, right? It becomes this rock that you can lean on and you speak it over your lives. It, you begin to treasure it more. 
right? When the word of God begins to produce in you purity and joy and delight, you find a light in it, you begin to treasure it more. You begin to cling to it more. You say, man, this is amazing. This is, this is good stuff. And as we delight in it more, we read it more. And as we read it with him more, it exposes who he is and who we are, that he loves us, and it enlarges our heart for him. And as our hearts are enlarged towards him, we want to respond to that. And so we find in the word, we guard our hearts according to his word. And as we guard our hearts according to his word, it becomes a greater rock that we can lean on. It's producing more purity in our lives. And as it's producing more purity in our lives, that we treasure it more. As we treasure it more, we read it more. It's this constant cycle of deepening and deepening and deepening treasure and relationship and joy and delight. And it just gets better, friends. It just gets, keeps getting better. But this does not happen overnight. This does not happen in a week or a month or even a year. It doesn't. In fact, I can say with certainty that most of us in this room do not treasure the word of God more than the things in the, of this world. You just don't. If you're honest with yourself, if I'm honest with you, you just don't. This takes years, years of growing in our delight and our treasuring of the word, of experiencing Christ, experiencing drawing near to God in the word, and increasing in our affections for him, increasing in our desire to please him, watching, it, watching our lives be guarded according to it. It takes years of this as, as, we, as we begin to treasure it more than the things of this world, as much as all riches. As much as, as much as all the money in my bank account, as much as all the, the possessions that I own, more than the things of this world, treasuring his word. It takes years to produce that. Number six, we're almost there. By meditating upon it, by meditating upon it. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts. And fix my eyes on your ways. What does purity look like? Again, his precepts in his ways. That's where purity is found. How do we live this out? We meditate and fix our eyes on them. We meditate and we fix our eyes on it. This is why uh, a lot of people have asked the, the reading plan, our adult reading plan here at Flourishing Grace. It's a New Testament intensive plan. So some of you this week, you've been reading uh, Philippians, like two chapters in Philippians, three days in a row. Why am I reading the same two chapters three days in a row? We're meditating on his word so that we might guard our lives according to it. We're not just reading it. We're soaking in it. We're bathing in it. We're meditating on it so that our lives might be guarded according to it. And so we read it. We read it again and again and again. And we sit in it for days so that our lives might be guarded according to it. Last one. Number seven, through memorable delight. It comes full circle back to delight in him. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This is all about delighting in God. Do not miss this. This might be the most important one. In fact, this is crucial. We do not, we do not, we do not pursue purity through the word of God so that we might get more from God. No, we don't, we don't pursue purity so that God would love us more or so that he would give us more stuff or that so he might like us more. No, we pursue it because he already has. 
He already loves us more than we can begin to imagine. He'll never love you more than than he loves you right now because it'd be impossible. He loves you more than you can begin to imagine. He's never going to give you more than he's already chosen to give you. Your inheritance is secure in Christ. All that you will have in eternity is already secure. We, we, do not, we do not pursue this in order to gain more from him. We do this because of our delight in him. As our delight increases, as our affection increases, as our heart is enlarged, as we treasure him more, we seek purity. That is the cry of our heart. This is not about believing in Jesus. This is about following Jesus. As we see him, as we, as we taste the gospel, I hate the language believer. He's a believer. She's a believer. They're believers. They're not believers. No, 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 no. We're followers of Christ. We don't just believe in him. We emulate him with our lives. We follow after him because our delight is in him. We want to be like him. We want to be near him. We want to see him clearly and draw near to him because he is our greatest treasure and our greatest affection and our greatest delight. And so the deeper we go into this gift that he has given us in order to enlarge in our hearts, the more delight is found there. And so we delight in his statutes and we do not forget his word. 2 Corinthians, Paul puts it this way, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. The love of Christ constrains us, constrains us. The love that God has for us in Christ constrains us. Since we have made this judgment that the one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all in order that, why did Christ die for you? In order that the ones who live might no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. The love of Christ, our delight in Christ, our enlarged hearts, constrain us. They constrain us from doing foolish and worthless, meaningless things, pursuing things that are going to cause us pain and sorrow. They constrain us towards purity and holiness. And Christ died for you. He gave his life to rescue and redeem you. He has has brought life in immortality to light through the gospel so that you would no longer live for yourself, but so that you would live for him. So that your greatest treasure would be in Him. And how do we pursue that? How do we find that? He's given us the way. In this beautiful gift, our Bible, His Word. His Word leads us into flourishing. It leads us towards purity. Not fully, not completely. No, 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 that's only in Christ. He's given us that. He's made us pure. He's made us right. But as we seek to emulate him by guarding our lives according to his word, it brings him pleasure. And his love, his love for me constrains me to pleasure for him. May his love for you, may you taste and see the beauty of the gospel and might you be constrained by it to long to please the God of all things. Might you see your need for the word in order to do that. Let me pray for us.
Jesus, this morning we come before you knowing that, knowing that left to ourselves, we will never be a people who choose you. We are inherently sinful. By nature, we are children of wrath. We are rebellious towards you. We need your word. We need your word to show us who you are, to increase our affections, to increase our delight in you, to increase our love for you. And we will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge our hearts. We'll guard our lives with your word as you enlarge our hearts. So I pray this morning that you would enlarge the hearts of those here at Flourishing Grace. That we would be a people. That we'd be a church that's in the word every day. Every person every day, seeking you, seeking the delight and joy that comes from you, and to seek to bring you that same pleasure through the power and the beauty of your word, which is sufficient for our entire lives, sufficient for our joy, sufficient for our delight, sufficient for our response towards you. Praising your name, in the name of Jesus, amen.